other narratives in the news media? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Here's a, five minutes of what you question. should think. Yeah. What, what's that? Here's five minutes of what you should think. Yeah, really. And then we're on to the next thing. We're going to tell you how to think and just shut up and sit <laughs> down and we'll, we'll take over. Welcome, my friend, to episode 34 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. The horizon we're questing after is that Jesus knows how life works best now, and the future not only belongs to him, it's showing up in the present. Joshua Felto and I found ourselves outside relaxing on Adirondack chairs in a public setting on a late summer night. The only thing missing were some pipes. You know, we fancy ourselves, at least I, after the order of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and some friends, pipes in hand in some corner of an English pub, trying to discuss thoughts, thoughts that matter, or something like that. Well, Joshua C. Felto is a science fiction author, a post-apocalyptic genre. He's a creative, entrepreneurial, carries a strong interest in thought, worldview issues, culture, society. He has a solid podcast, which I heartily recommend, The Writer's Lens. It's on iTunes and other major podcast apps. He focuses on writing, storytelling, entrepreneurial edges he pursues there, society and culture. It's all part of the mix there on The Writer's Lens. And you can visit his website at jclfalto.com, J-C-L-F-A-L-T-O-T.com. In this conversation, we dialogue about the need to create and to cultivate a strong inner narrative, a strong signature voice on the inside that's stronger than all of the false narratives surrounding us. We discuss how human beings quest for a greater storyline, a larger arc over our lives, how we can connect with that, how our lives are micro-narratives contributing to the macro-narrative and how we can be co-creators with the ultimate creative. From that place of a strong inner narrative, are you ready to engage the narrative wars? Because we need you, and we're full-on motivated to engage the conflict. Instead of just consuming content, here's the question. Are you ready to find your voice and create content? Are you ready to get in the marketplace, the, the square of content and ideas and voices? It's all around us. I don't know, find a pipe, maybe a glass of wine, (laughs) listen in. Uh, That's not necessary. Just listen in while you're exercising, driving, or doing chores. That's the power of podcast listening. I'm calling this woke. Smell the coffee. You're in a narrative war. Here we go. We are just relaxing on Adirondack chairs out here on a late August evening. It's dark. It's dark, Josh, already, right? Yeah. Sun's gone down. All, all we need is, are some pipes, man. We do. <laughs> we need, you know, like the Inklings, right? We do. What was it with uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and those guys? Yep. Secret fantasy of creating some kind of an experience like that. <laughs> I'm really pleased to have with us Josh Falto, J.C.L. Falto, right? Mm. What, a, what a great name for a writer, Josh. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, Brian Del Turco, I'm not sure, but JCL Felto with the French, that's, that's, that's really good. He's a husband, a father. He's a writer based in Cleveland, and he is pursuing interest in culture, society, faith. Mm-hmm. He has a podcast, a really solid podcast called The Writer's Lens. What 
directories is your podcast on, Josh? Is it on iTunes? Yeah, you can find it on iTunes. Podbean is the hosting site that you can find it there. Uh, and I also do publish some episodes on YouTube. If uh, anyone wanted to hop on over to YouTube, they'd, they'd be there too. And I'd like to come back to your podcast in just a second, but you're a writer of science fiction. You're just getting ready to release your, your third book in your series? Second one. Yeah, the second the second book in my Road to Mars series. Oh, so. the Road to Mars series. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell us about it. So the, the Road to Mars is a bit of a post-apocalyptic story. Uh, for those that uh, can relate to that as far as the post-apocalyptic genre. Premise is a father and daughter in the future uh, that are trying to get from Earth to Mars. Mm. And Mars has been colonized and is an advanced civilization. And uh, there is an individual that is coming to the planet to rescue people from Earth and bring them to Mars. I was at your book signing in Cleveland Heights, enjoyed that. Your podcast, what's your audience persona that you're pursuing with your podcast, The Writer's Lens? Creatives, mostly. uh, Other writers, Um, Pretty much anybody that has an entrepreneurial spirit uh, that's looking to start something, maybe create something. Uh, I chose the writer's lens mostly because I'm, you know, I'm seeing things through that lens. I see things through a storytelling lens and uh, people are making stories of their lives every day. And uh, would others benefit who aren't necessarily writers or aspiring writers? But yeah, other creatives, I would say, would definitely, definitely take. I mean, I I talk about the creative process. I, I talk about my own process mainly of how I've gone from just having an idea in my head and then trying to get it on paper and then eventually getting it published. And a lot of people think that it's a very cut and dry process. It's, you know, A, B, then C, or, you know, I'll just knock that book out over the weekend or something. And uh, it's it's a little bit more complicated than that, <laughs> yes. to say it lightly. Yeah, I've put out two books, and um, I can tell you it's a, um, it's a birthing process, isn't it? Although my wife doesn't quite like it when I use the birthing metaphor. She just, <laughs> for some reason, it bothers her. But uh, anyway... <laughs> Um, you're doing a series right now on your podcast, right? As you're launching this second book, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of a walkthrough of, of, of the process. Yeah. So it started with episode 40 I'm on 41 right now. I just released episode 41. Okay. Uh, just, I'm going basically from inception to, uh, the end. So it's, uh, first the idea. And then I just did an, an episode on, uh, whether or not you need to be a credible source for whatever it is that you're writing about. Yeah. Which is I not... listened to that one just today. In fact, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's uh, it's not something I think that we we tend to think about necessarily when we think about writing our our stories. Yeah. But in today's day and age, uh, the digital age, you know, everybody can get their voice heard. Everyone can have a platform of some kind. It's imperative, I think, to try to do some legwork, do some research, understand what it is you're talking about, because you want your audience to think that you are a credible source of information. For, and that's for both fiction and nonfiction, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even pro- It's probably even more so for nonfiction. <laughs> so. Yeah, I really like that. It's a solid podcast. I encourage you to check that out. And, and his website is JCL Falto. JCL Falto, F-A-L-T-O-T, mm-hmm. the French word, right? The <laughs> French right. name, so <laughs> .com. Encourage you to get hooked up with, with uh, Josh and his social. Great guy. The leader of our of our writers group, man, right? <laughs> That's right. What is it called? Do we want to go public with the name of the group? Yeah, we might as well. The, Even the though it's a closed steel. group. Pens, pens of steel. steel. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it's the next best thing. We could come up to like Inklings 2.0 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Some great guys in there, some writers, some video guys, other business guy, I think. Just great creative types in there. I'm really enjoying it. Only about six of us, but I've, I've already benefited from it. I'm very fascinated by this topic that we're going to be wading into, into, the, into these waters, so to speak. And that is the issue of the so-called narrative wars. Mm. Narrative wars. And I'd also like to maybe as a subset talk about content wars, maybe as a subset of narrative wars. 
is there a war going on over narratives today in our oh. culture, in our society, and in history? Oh, I, I, I think so. I absolutely believe that, Brian. What is your what what is your understanding of narrative wars? What's your shorthand definition? I would say the narrative war is really a battle for culture, and what is the narrative of leading uh, what I think we're told is the good life. Uh, we're told what is desirable. Yeah. Uh, what are we aiming for? What are the goals of our life? And uh, what kind of mechanisms or behaviors are we supposed to employ to get there? Yeah. Uh, so we we see a lot of that in Hollywood, obviously. Hollywood's yeah, probably the biggest yeah. medium for pushing certain narratives and, and having different narratives. And then now, I mean, probably in the last 10, 15 years with the onset of alternative mediums, we're seeing more voices. We're seeing more voices emerging yeah, the, with different narratives. That The new media, right? Yep. I mean, everything from what, YouTubers to... Independent music artists, independent publishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not just writers per se. It's definitely, uh, it's also music artists. It's uh, business owners who have their own narratives for their businesses, you know, like telling the story of their business. Sure. Uh, So it's it's definitely multifaceted and multi-layered. Josh, I was thinking about our conversation today that uh, that we're engaged in right now, and I was thinking about you know Genesis chapter three, the Mm. first time that we actually see Satan in the scriptures. And there's something in Bible interpretation called the principle of first mention. The first time you see something or some someone or, you know, some dynamic at work that that gives you a good indicator of how to interpret it moving forward throughout the Bible. And, and the first time we see Satan is, it seems that he's in a bit of a narrative war to me, you know. He starts coming and casting aspersions upon God's nature, God's character, tells Adam and Eve that, you know, God's holding out on you and really calls into question God's story in a sense. Is there some aspect in which the narrative wars are are, are spiritual yeah, or unseen? Because, yeah, for sure. And I think it comes down to the promise, you know, like what is being promised on the horizon for you as an individual? Okay. And, uh, you know, as we know from scripture, uh, the, the thief in the night who comes to lie, steal, and destroy comes with a very usually beautiful message uh, that sounds beautiful, it sounds appealing, uh, it sounds desirable, uh, but at the end it, it leaves us very empty. And uh, that's exactly what's happening in the, in the very first couple chapters of Genesis is that we see the fall uh, and it's the beginning of that narrative of broken promises uh, that are coming from a, from a liar essentially, uh, not yeah. from, the, from the one who's actually promised us something. Yeah, really. Like a propagandist, right? A, mm-hmm. a propaganda warfare, a disinformation, or trying to create confusion and, and uh, challenge a grander story, mm-hmm. you know, that, that God is wanting to unfold. And I mean, there was a storyline that God placed over Adam and Eve and over humanity to, to ex- through their descendants to apparently extend the garden throughout the earth, you know, to multiply. Mm-hmm fill the earth, subdue it, cultivate it, and then we see this insertion of this, uh, I guess, an antagonist, right? Mm -hmm. Cosmic antagonist that that comes in and uh, challenges that and corrupts it, derails it for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's totally a counter-narrative. It basically says, this is going to be better for you. This is is what you're owed, essentially. You know, you're deserving of this. Um, And I think that's definitely prevalent in so many different narratives that we see throughout just the culture, you know, and through. Yeah. What would be an example or two that come to mind of these counter narratives in our life, in our lives, practically? I would say, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much not a fan of a lot of mainstream stuff. So, so, uh, uh, I mean, probably one of the most popular, uh, 
books right now would be the Game of Thrones series uh, that has a lot of narratives in it that are not about redemption. I mean, there's no redemption story happening. And, and I understand that to a lot of people, it's very uh, appealing because mm-hmm. it's, it's very shock value uh, entertainment. It's mm-hmm. very shock value storytelling. And I think to the Christian and the non-Christian who reads, say, a Game of Thrones or is familiar with it, that narrative of, well, maybe things will eventually turn out okay for everybody. Or, you know, I have to keep watching to see if this gets better. And I think continuously you don't see that happening in that story. Just a little sidebar here, but I think that writing, writing, um, so much of everything goes back to writing somehow, you know? Well, putting your thoughts down on paper is a very difficult thing to do because you know that it's going to be open to critique at some point. Okay. If you're going public with it. Yeah. If you're going to go public, writing serves a lot of purposes, uh, more so than just having uh, an agenda, but more so, you know, with the experiential value of it, you know, Mm. is it, is it something that I want to share with other people so that they can relate to what I'm going through? Uh, Or is it like propaganda, like we were saying earlier, you know, how when Satan first shows up, He's basically selling propaganda. He says, no, 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 this is actually what God meant by this. Yes. You know, this is actually what he meant for you, not what he told you in the beginning. So it's that confusion. It's that murky area where, uh, you know, the word is, is, is so imperative, you know, to just kind of cut through the haze and, and get back to what the original story is supposed to be. Yes, I'd, I'd like to come back to that journaling, and but just in like at a societal level or cultural level, these major areas that shape our thought, shape our cultural lives together, like the educational space, for example. I mean, somehow it goes back to the realm of ideas and writing. Somebody wrote that curriculum, you know, you can trace it back to some somebody in some ivory tower somewhere sitting, some academic, you know. There's one great quote by one of the economists that says something like, you know, we can trace everything back to these deranged academics up in ivory towers, you know, scribbling away. And (laughs) it might take some decades to filter down into everyday life. But, you know, you know, public policy law. Right. But on journaling, um, everyone can write. Right. We we don't you don't have to be a published author or, or even aspiring to that. But we should be thinking about journaling, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the. maybe one of the fictions of just writing in general is that we all think we have to just listen to the people who write and are willing to be published. And we all have thoughts. We all know that. I mean, if you sit down with somebody and just kind of engage with them a bit and ask them their story, for instance, you know, what's the narrative of their life? You know, what's been their experiences? There's a story there. And you start to see things emerge, you know, their own thoughts, their own uh, things they've gone through that they want to share with people. A lot of times we don't think that there's a necessity to do that, but in journaling per se, I, you know, I find great value in it myself personally because yeah. I start to see where certain things repeat themselves. Okay. Know. So yeah. What are the benefits you see patterns or you're, mm-hmm. you're able to identify? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, writing too, I, and I try to do it by hand, yes. uh, which might today's standards be considered old school or something like that. But uh, I think sitting with a pen and pad and, and really just putting your thoughts down makes you filter it somewhat as you're, as you're writing it as opposed to just busily smashing on a keyboard <laughs> yeah. and, and hoping so, autocorrect takes over oh for you. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> so, but, I, but I do see the value in it now more so than ever just because if I sit down, and, and it doesn't have to be long. You know, it doesn't have to be some novel that you have to sit down and, and write about. You will notice that if you just kind of let the free form take over, you will see kind of the aches of maybe your heart or maybe the things that have been on your mind. Yeah. Uh, maybe the lies that you've believed in your life, you know, start to crop up. There's really something special about writing. There where, is. Where the expression of about, about 
the mind and the heart begin to come together. And there's that focal point at the end of a pen. You're right. Where you suddenly realize this is actually what's aching me. You know, this is a problem that I have to deal with. Like you can uncover pain points or be mm -hmm. able to articulate them better or yeah. aspirations, vision that you have. Yeah, there's actually been research that does say that actually physically writing is, is more beneficial, more, more healthy mm -hmm. than the keyboards that we're all, you know, tied to now. There, there is a great quote, you know, um, the pen is mightier than the sword, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah, but, but somebody added on another part, too, the keyboard is mightier still, you know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but they have actually proven through handwriting, there's something called neuro-linguistics, mm. where, where you do involve your hand, you do involve your, you know, your your nerves from your hand going up to your brain and you are dealing with thoughts and words. Extremely beneficial process. Do you know, uh, Josh, that they've actually proven that like in goal setting, you can have a goal mentally, but if you write it down, the statistical probability of you hitting that goal really jumps. Oh, yeah. And I forget the numbers, but just the act of writing it. Well, it creates, it creates a new accountability that you didn't have before. Because if it's just in your head and it's floating around in space, you don't actually see it. It's not materialized. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, we're both writers. And one of the greatest, like, challenges is to finally get that idea out of your head and onto paper. And then not only onto paper, but read it back to yourself. Yeah. And see what it really sounds like. Because in your head, it can sound like one thing. But the moment you put it on paper, it could be something completely different. Uh, it just based upon how we're mm -hmm. filtering it. Those are the Christian scientists. Was it Isaac Newton or one of the great scientists uh, spoke of uh, writing makes an exact man? You know, it's a larger quote. Just look look up that phrase in Google and you'll pull it up. But tremendous quote about how, you know, writing clarifies your thoughts and you push it out through the tip of the pen. What about our dreams? Uh, there's some people who advocate what they call dreamscaping, writing down patterns that show up in our dream, our dream world. Hmm. And seeing if our inner man is talking to us in some way or if God is even in the mix yeah. within our dream life. I think biblically, visions and dreams are very sound. I mean, we, you know, there was, uh, you know, the, uh, the king's aid uh, uh, reading the dreams of the king, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. What, what is the meaning behind my dream? Biblically, it's sound as far as dreams having meaning and purpose behind it. Uh, I think sometimes we can get lost in what the dream actually is supposed to mean. Uh, we know that. Uh, when God is speaking to us, his spirit is not meant to confuse us. Dreams are a little bit of a, a sticky space because we can have dreams about all sorts of things. And it may not be from God necessarily, but it may be something that we are trying to figure out. You know, we are trying yeah. to internalize and kind of process when we're not focused on so many other things throughout our day. Nighttime, there's an opportunity, you know. I, th I think David says in Psalms that my mind or my inner man instructs me in the night seasons. Mm. The Lord, you know, blessed be the Lord who counsels me. And so, like during the daytime, we're trying to cognitively figure things out with our prefrontal cortex is running at about you know 8,000 RPMs, and then <laughs> we just can't seem to get it. And and um, but then in the night, quite possibly, I mean, it you, we do have to be discerning because sometimes the enemy can get into the mix. I have found. Uh, God can certainly get into the mix and perhaps somehow God is just speaking through our inner man mm. many times to us. We're processing mm. uh, some of the great inventors like Edison, you know, they would be working on an invention and stuck at some point. And what they would do is they would nap during the day mm -hmm. and they would put like uh, uh, bearing steel balls in their hand and sit in a chair and take a nap. Have you heard about this? No. And this they is would, really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And they would doze off. And, and then as they dozed off, the balls would hit the floor you know, they would drop them, yeah. you know, it would wake them up. And right in those initial seconds when they woke up many times, there would be this 
intuitive answer that would come huh a solution a breakthrough yeah i would totally try that at home but i have hardwood floors and <laughs> i don't want to wake up anybody <laughs> <laughs> that interface between sleep and and, and and full consciousness you know perhaps a more intuitive state i don't know but well, uh, I, yeah i think you know just i'm just hearing that it makes me think that when you eliminate the haze around everything else you you have a clearer picture maybe of what the message is supposed to be yeah and uh yeah and that's part of the creative process that, you know, I, I, you know, I've tried to learn to be better at myself. Yeah. I mean, find just, that flow state, right? Yeah. Finding that flow state yeah. of perhaps meditation or are, are there any practical things that you do to the, that, you know, that kind of triggers a flow state for you? Well, definitely it's finding out when I work best. So the time of the day, time of the day. Is it early morning? Is it middle of the day? Is it late at night? And I know this is different for people across yeah. the board, but I'm best right in the early morning. Like, okay. I feel like nobody else is up yet. There's no distractions. And for that first two or three hours early morning, I just feel like this is my time to really get my thoughts together, pump out whatever it is that's on my heart or on my mind. And that's when it's clearest. Yeah. The worst part of the day for me is definitely the middle of the day. I, 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 I've tried to... The work. afternoon slog, <laughs> yeah, the, the low point of the <laughs> afternoon. I've tried to work through that. I just can't. And I know that some people... It's better at night than in the afternoon for you. Better than in the but afternoon. But best in the morning for mm-hmm. you. Yep. yep. I know some people say they are night owls, and, and that is probably their, their, their hot zone. But I, th- I think, generally speaking, it is morning for most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your willpower is the strongest and your most and also, clarity. And also finding a space that you know you can breathe in. I mean, uh, if it, you have a certain chair that you have to sit in, or I mean, it, it might sound superstitious, but I think building the habit of being there in that space... Knowing that you're going to sit down and put your mind to something is uh, is also really important to the creative process. So we're outside here in a commercial yeah. setting, so there is a bit of ambience. But uh, yeah, we uh, speaking of distractions. Yeah, really, man. It's going to be hard to find a flow state. Now I think we're getting there. Um, yeah. So I what we're saying here about narrative, the narrative wars, is that there's a personal responsibility that we have, right? Like mm-hmm. journaling or meditation or. Uh, writing down goals, creating your own personal narrative. Mm-hmm. There's a passage in the Old Testament, you know, where where um, I think it's Habakkuk or Habakkuk. I'm not sure how you w- want to pronounce that Old Testament prophet book, but you know, write the vision, mm-hmm. make it plain, that the one who who reads it may run. Yeah, write it down and make it clear, make it exact, so that you can run run with your life, run with your story. And it's it's good. In that regard, too, like we were saying earlier, that if you're seeing patterns, but more so, you can always come back to it. Like, I know that I wrote it down, and it's right there, and I can come right back to it, and there's there it is. There's a record of it. Yeah, it's staring me in the face. It's not done yet. I mean, I was never a big list maker type person either, as far as, I mean, just not speaking to nonfiction or fiction writing, <laughs> but but definitely honing in on that discipline of putting it down. Now I can see it. Now I can actually do something with it. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, I, what I'd like to say is, you know, really cultivate your inner narrative, your personal life story, your voice signature, if you will, and make sure that that's stronger than the narratives around you. That's really good, Brian. You know? yeah. I mean, I, I know we need entertainment. We need to pull away once in a while and watch a movie. We need amusement, but mm-hmm. we have yeah. to be careful, don't we? Even in the news media, right? Are, are there narratives in the news media? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here's what a, five what minutes of what you question. should think. Yeah. What, what's that? Here's five minutes of what you should think. Yeah, really. And then we're on to the next thing. We're going to tell you how to think and just shut up and sit down and we'll we'll take over. Yeah, exa- exactly. That's why I like I prefer the long form discussion like this. It's much it's much better for your brain. <laughs> the sound bites, right? <laughs> yes. Really, really. 
if we were to um, pull out and look at the macro issues related to like culture and society and, you know, the world itself in which we live, I mean, we're even history, we're at a certain point in history that mm-hmm. God has seen fit to stream us into, you know, mm-hmm. we're in certain countries, certain geography, but looking at these um, macro issues. Now, we've talked about the need to personally create your narrative through through reflection, meditation, journaling. I would I would suggest mixing in prayer with that process. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like pray the story. You know, you know, Josh, uh, just a little sidebar. I recently I was uh, reflecting on Psalms 139 where David says, "Lord, even before I was born, the days that were ordained for me were were written down in your book." Mm. Your book. And apparently there's this 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 dynamic, this concept that God has a book. And the days that are ordained for each of us are written in that book. Now, now that's a transcendent narrative, mm-hmm. I would like to suggest. But what came to me in that moment as I was reflecting on that was pray the pages. We don't even know everything that's on those pages. We know some of it, and we may have a hunch about other things, but there's a lot written down there. You know, eye is not seen, ear is not heard everything that God has prepared, you know, for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so just in faith, just pray those pages, tap into the narrative of God for your life. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really good because a lot of people I think struggle with this idea of how do I have a relationship with God? You know, how am I supposed to actually walk with God? You know, how, I don't understand what this means. And to, I think to people outside of the church, especially, or to just explaining yourself in that, in that regard, well, what does it mean you have a walk with the Lord? What does that look like? Yeah. And there's all kinds of different ways of putting it. But to be prayerful in, is it aligning with the Word? You know, is aligning with the Spirit, with the attributes of the kingdom? You know, all these kinds of things that would fit into that narrative uh, is what you should be praying into to be looking for. And that's how you can become better at discerning with, with, uh, with God's help, I would say, through prayer. What are these areas where... God really wants to work with me, you know, or, or trying to figure out what's the next step in my, in the chapters of my book, you know, where is God trying to lead me? Uh, because that's ultimately too part of that greater narrative that you see affecting the macro. My micro narrative is affecting the macro narrative in some sense, you know, we're all, part, we're all part of that larger story. And we all have a, like this instinctive drive to see our story fit into something larger. Yep. Our, our micro-narrative, our, our life, personal life narrative fit into a grander narrative. And we're both coming from a Judeo-Christian worldview here, right? Little disclaimer there if you don't haven't picked that up already. And you may be listening and may not necessarily be, you know, resonating with that worldview. That's, that's okay. Just keep listening. You may be curious or seeking or you may have another worldview. It may be, um, I don't know, Eastern or you may be a secularist. I don't know. We're coming from that Judeo-Christian worldview. And so we do believe that there is a grand story, a grand narrative. And what we're saying is that the Lord has a sort of a subplot or a, or a life narrative for us to live that fits in and supports and contributes to mm-hmm. yeah. that, that grander. And that's part of that creative process too. I mean, how do we get to be co-creators and yeah. what's going on in this book that, that God has, has given us. And he's, he's calling us to create in that, within this story in some sense, you know, creating this narrative that people are going to be able to see that person's life or this person's life and go, well, what's different about that person? That's such a counter narrative to the world or this counter narrative to everything else that I see that, that just kind of leaves people empty or leaves them with these kind of quote unquote 
bad promises or fake promises mm-hmm. uh, that we were talking about in the beginning that, you know, in the, when mm-hmm. Satan shows up. So it's, it's those kinds of things that uh, to me as a writer, I feel is so important because if I'm, if I'm writing, knowing that my micro narrative is important, I'm going to affect the macro uh, regardless. And, yeah. the, and I think we all want to do that. We all want to feel like we're affecting the world in some sense. You know, writers, I think, kind of have a chip on their shoulder where they're going, yeah, I'm going to change the world with my words. You know, I'm going to go out and change the world with everything that Let I say. Let me die empty. I yeah. can't leave it all on the table. Yeah, yeah I'll sit at my, my computer and bleed out everything about what I need to say. Uh, but there really is uh, some truth in that, though. I mean, being able to, to, uh, to walk with God in a sense of how do I get to tell my story and uh, glorify God in the midst of it, uh, I think is a really, really powerful thing that we can do. And and, you know, we were talking about it right before this was, okay, what are the narratives that are predominant right now? I don't, I, when I, what we were saying, especially like when we think of Christian artists or we, th- we think of uh, Christian storytellers that are very popular, you know, there aren't very many that you might think of, you know, because of the fact that if the moment Christian gets put in front of whatever they're creating, it's like, oh, I, I, I don't know if I can watch that because I know the quality might be cheesy or I think it's bad okay. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so this ability to tell truth in the midst of stories that are a little more subtle, you know, to tell the greater story, uh, in a more, in a more, um, covert way you were saying earlier and not an overt way. I mean, think of, uh, well, we were talking about Mel Gibson's Braveheart. I mean, just every, the, every theme inside of that film is, is pointing back towards, I mean, the greatest story of them all. I mean, this, the story of uh, sort of justice and redemption and freedom, sacrifice, the sacrifice yeah. and f- yeah, freedom. I mean, the, yeah. the, the big famous line at the end, freedom when he's screaming yes. it. <laughs> so there's this, yeah. there are these, these truths that are, be, that are, that can be told. Uh, and they're, they're those little, are like archa- archetypical. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Archetypical, like truths that have a universal appeal and many people they're they're attracted to it, and, and there's an appeal to it, and we we don't even really know why. Yeah. But, but we're actually like sort of wired for that. We're coded for that pre-fall. You know, our design from God. Yeah. I mean, I you and I, I think both know John Eldridge. Yeah. Uh, he's love uh, John I, Eldridge. I love all of his work, and I mean that's one of the things that he talks about a lot is what part of the story are you in? You know, is the question that he asks a lot of his listeners and his readers is. You know what? What part in this story are you to play? You know that's gonna that's gonna advance the kingdom in some sense. I know, I know. In one of his books, he says, "Man, it's sometimes it feels like you you arrived at a movie twenty minutes late, and you're trying to figure out you know the storyline." And, and and sometimes our lives feel like that. We could be in a season where we we just can't quite locate it, but with the help of the Lord, I think with reflection, with prayer, He will help us to 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 sync up, if you will, and get current with Him. Again, though, it, it just starts at our core, doesn't it, Josh? We have to personally really dial into our personal life story and, and sort of secure that, that, strength core, that, that, that strength in our core so that we're not affected and shoved around, right, by the, by the narratives of this, of this world and by our adversary. And, and, and really, this takes time. It's a learning experience. It's a process. I mean, but really sink, sink in and see your life story fitting in with how it contributes to the grander story that the Lord is unfolding. Then once we sort of, as we strengthen ourselves in that way, we can go out as a warrior, if you will, and engage these macro, these lies, you know, this propaganda Mm. 
Yeah. It's being foisted upon the human race by, by, uh, by deception, by these powers, right? It may be in the educational space. It may be in the public policy space. It could be in arts and entertainment. It may be in the business realm. It doesn't matter really what your trade is or what your vocation is. There is opportunity to, 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 to live from a place of strong narrative and to counter the false narratives yeah. of this world. And I, and I feel like that's where, as, as Christ followers, we should be better equipped than anybody else to call crap when we see it, you know, okay. like we should, we should. I'm calling crap on that. <laughs> you know, it just that happens to me every day. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, but but honestly, though, if you're if you're walking in the spirit, I mean, I, I know there's no 100 percent super correct way of doing it. We all fumble through certain things, but being able to tap into that source of truth and you know what is. What is this that is evil afoot in this narrative here? You know, is there something here that is trying to move me to, you know, to conform to the spirit of the age or whatever it might be? Uh, you know, we we should feel like we're equipped to to counter that. You know, we should feel like we we can stand firm in whatever it might be that's trying to to wash us over, or trying to make us feel like no, this is actually true, not not this. You know, and. And uh, again, it's a it's a lie as as old as time. I mean, not tale as old as time, but a lie as old as time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, is that uh, we we take the counterfeit rather than the actual thing that we're supposed to be that we're supposed to be. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, Jesus said that you know I am the truth. I am the the life. I am the way. He said you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Interestingly, in that same chapter, I think John eighty talks about Satan as the father, the father of lies. So once we're delivered from that fatherhood and come into the family of God through Christ, you know, we break away from that, those, that deception and we're able to progressively understand what is true and what is real. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women to shut up. Well, that's a, that's a paraphrase of Ed, Edmund Burke's famous statement. We think it's time to engage the narrative wars. Beyond thinking, we're resolved. We know it's time, probably past time, for many to engage the narrative wars. This is part one of our conversation. Catch next week's interview for part two. We go further. Visit Joshua Falto's website at jclfalto.com. J-C-L-F-A-L-T-O-T.com. Thanks, friend, for rating, reviewing, and following this podcast on iTunes and other major podcast apps. It's also on Spotify and YouTube. It helps others discover the content to see if it's a good fit. Plus, you stay connected with the podcast, and we're hoping that's the case. Here's an idea. Grab a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media. You can tag it with narrative wars, maybe content creation, writing, how about speak up, or whatever you feel. Or you can just share it directly from your favorite listening app. Visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. Leave thoughts and questions there. It'd be good to hear from you. There's also a contact page to reach out. I want to encourage you to explore the Apostolic Christ following series, bite-sized mini-sodes. I'm excited for the edges we're pursuing there. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is brilliant. It's powerful. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time.